0: welcome to this week's Catamania episode. In this episode, I had a chat with Irina Novak-Kalki, who is a fellow immigrant based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and who is an owner of a niche perfume store that offers niche luxury fragrances from around the world for both men and women. I wanted to chat with Irina because she has a beautiful story of, you know, quitting her corporate world job, becoming a mother, and then transitioning into being a mother and a businesswoman. The subject you, you know, many of you know, since you've been following me is a really huge interest of mine and specifically how, you know, you. how how do you balance those things such as being a mother and then being a successful businesswoman how you maintain your femininity while you do all of that so Irina gave some great tips and great advice on how she manages to do that Uh, she talked a lot about the importance of leaning into your femininity in business and the importance of just recognizing your strengths as opposed to trying to compete with others and trying to become something that maybe you're not something that isn't your strong point so to speak. Anyways without further ado uh, please welcome Irina and enjoy this episode and as per usual if you do enjoy it and you enjoy my podcast please give it five stars thumbs up whatever the like button is on the platform that you're listening to this on. Stay blessed. Welcome to Catamania, Irina. Hi happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about where you're from, and what do you do?
1: So I'm originally from Russia, from a city called Vladivostok, or Vladivostok, in Russian. So it's Russian Far East, it's like the furthest you can get from Moscow. It's a nine hour, eight hour flight from Moscow. So um, it's not a central city, but it's a lovely port city, um, coastal, so Um, anyone should if they get opportunity to go travel maybe not right now but at some point in the future Um, so I grew up there and I moved to Canada in 2008 so many many years ago now um, to study Um, I got accepted to grad school so I spent a few years doing that Um, and right now I own a niche perfume shop in Vancouver, um, totally not related to what I was studying or (laughs) that's a different story, but, uh, yeah, it's called Centrique. Um, and we carry niche perfumes from all over the world and offering alternative, um, to kind of designer scents and what you're used to in big department stores.
0: Isn't it interesting how. Most of the people I know, unless they studied something professionally in the sense of like entering a regulated profession, nobody works in the field that they studied for.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned I it was the, say, like, the case with you. Yes. And I feel like when you choose your profession, when you're like, um, well, back home, when you're 17 years old, you have no idea about the world and how it's going to turn out, and what you like and <laughs> what you dislike. So I feel like many people change careers, like later in life, to follow something they're more suitable for.
0: Do you think you know if somebody's listening to this and they're in that age group of maybe they just graduated or they're you know switch trying to switch careers and they're really afraid what advice would you give them considering you've kind of gone through that through that pivot
1: um i think do it as soon as possible because i think the uh, the more you delay it the harder it's going to be like life goes on you build you know people um families later on in life like people grow roots so it's becoming really more difficult to change careers or even you know move away and any changes in life that happened to some of my uh, friends or even family Um, yeah so do it as soon as possible
0: (laughs) and how do you know what to do like how did you how did you make the decision to specifically enter the field that you are currently in?
1: Um, I think that's, that was a combination for me, it was just a combination of different um, factors. That's something. Um, so the whole story, I, um, I was pregnant, um, with my daughter when I started thinking about starting my own business because I wanted more flexibility. And I just, I worked in the corporate world for many years. Um, and I just did not see how it would fit into my new role as a mother. Um, when I have my baby and, um, I start thinking about different ways I can do something on my own and have a little bit more flexibility, um, and do something I'm passionate about do something that would have some kind of connection to Europe because I, I do miss, um, Europe a lot. Um, being here in Canada, so I just wanted to have like this little connection, um, and being in the industry that you're passionate about, it. I've always been passionate about beauty, um, cosmetics, so. Um, so perfumes were kind of like a natural natural choice and also wanted to fill the gap in Canada, like I didn't want to do like another I don't know, spa or another nail salon, I wanted to do something that we were currently lacking in Canada, so bring something different, um, introduce people to something they're not familiar with Um, so that's how the whole idea of uh, having a niche perfume store became
0: Did you make, did you ever have to ask yourself questions about, so what I'm gathering is you looked at your life and you were like, okay, this isn't what I wanted to look like because I'm now a mother and obviously many things change with motherhood. And then you, you're like, okay, the lifestyle has to change. And then what is it that I like to do? And what is it that I'm into? And then you kind of found a common denominator and you went for it when, when you found it.
1: Mm-hmm. exactly yeah because, i guess think... uh, yeah no, tired of uh, working for somebody and yeah life is uh, too short especially with the child into something you don't like so
0: yeah for sure it weighs you down how was that transition you know into motherhood and i mean i know it's such a loaded question like how was your transition into motherhood it was a lot <laughs> but uh, how would you say it obviously had a huge net positive on on your lifestyle and on even what it is that you do. And what I like about your story too is becoming a mother actually, it seems like kind of made you follow your passion. Would you say, I heard this phrase once that, you know, many people say like, okay, when you become a mother, your life kind of ends because now you have to to think of a child sure. and now you have to think of another human being, which is true, of course, you have a huge responsibility. But I'm meeting more and more women who say that having a child is what from that moment is when their life actually truly
1: begun. Do you feel that way?
0: Um,
1: my love definitely my life' definitely changed since I had a child. The transition was um uh, it was difficult for me. that's for sure. I'm somebody who like likes my freedom, who have my certain ways and um I'm not type of um, mother, I guess that would stay at home and take care of the kid. I always wanted to do something um, for myself and for my career. So, the first, um, the first year, the maternity leave, um, it was um, like a total, total transition for me. And um, it was like, they ex- you, you can't really explain it, I right. guess. The whole, like so uh, the much a lot once, right? it's, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go through postpartum depression for a few months. And I'm like really vocal about it with my friends because I think there is some kind of still taboo talking about, um, postpartum depression and talking about the mothers, um, you know, having difficulties is supposed to be this like very cheerful, happy time for you and your baby and your family. And when you don't feel like that, you feel like something is wrong with you as a mother, as a person. Um, and, um, nothing is wrong with you like there is some chemical processes in your body that um, kind of all affect you just went through like this gigantic change in your life so there's so many like physical emotional chemical (laughs) processes uh, happening in your body um, so it's totally normal to feel that way but um, I definitely like people definitely don't talk much about that. So I'm a big advocate about, for talking about, you know, postpartum depression and how it affected um, how it affects mothers and that it's okay and it's okay not to feel okay and it will get better. And it, it did for me, like, uh, I have, an incredible relationship with my daughter now that she's six years old and it's the best thing that happened to me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was really tough. Um, so the first year I couldn't even think about business. I wrote the whole business plan when I was um, pregnant and then I had my baby and everything just collapsed and you were just in this limbo. You're trying to figure out your life, like your new routines, uh, being with the baby by yourself. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of lonely and you don't have time like for anything um, not to think about business. So uh, later, like towards the end of my t- maternity leave, I was, um, coming back to work when my daughter was turning one and then I was uh, starting, starting thinking about my business again. I'm like, okay, so I had this idea. <laughs> I really don't feel like going back to the office. Um, so <laughs> right. I, um, I really should do something about it. So I started to work on my business plan. Um. Uh, more um, kind of do do both so, work full time with my um, uh, job, um, being a mother at home and building like a side business. Um, while I was doing that, yeah. Let's
0: zone in a little bit on because you know you said you're a huge advocate of it, and I obviously have only heard about it. I'm, I'm not a mother, so I wouldn't know, but. Maybe for the mothers who are listening to this, because I have a lot of obviously women follow me and who are maybe in a situation now where they're either planning to have a baby or they already had a baby and they're either afraid of postpartum depression or they're experiencing it currently. Uh, Do you mind just kind of quickly letting, letting everyone know, A, if you have any idea as to why it happens, how it happens, and how long does it last and what to do if you're currently in it?
1: um the thing is like you you don't expect it to happen i had such an amazing pregnancy and like everything was so great and you're high on hormones and you're so happy and you just don't even think about stuff like that but when it happens uh, it's just um, chemical disbalance um so i would think to prepare for that just um just think that it can happen to you, I guess. And, um, look for ways to, you know, get that support system, get on the list for like in Canada, we have amazing support, um, that can be provided to women, but, um, there's a long wait. So when I got on the list, I think it was like five, six months wait, unless you're like on some urgent list. So just kind of, have that, um, I know it's, it's not something you want to think when, when you're having right. a baby, but it's good to just have maybe that conversation with, um, with your doctor or midwife or whoever, um, is working with you and just make some kind of plans plans for that and it and just remember that it does not last forever it's not like the like that's how i felt when i had it like that that's it that's the state i'm gonna be for the rest of my life that's how it feels um you just feel so down um but it it does not like for me it only lasted like about like i would say two months to three months but three months um i felt much better and was totally fine um but yeah it's it's not forever so that's what you have to think about it
0: and so you're saying that it happens basically due to a chemical chemical disbalance that occurs after you give birth is that kind of
1: i i think that's what what happened, happened to me i think there are many other reasons why it can happen like lack of support lack of sleep your body is just you know going into (laughs) <laughs> this mode of survival and um, it's it's difficult physically uh, on mothers so it can happen I think for many different reasons I just, um, I did not think for me it was psychological because um, I was prepared for a for child, I had support, um had my husband who took time off to be, so it, it was not um, because of lack of that so what I'm thinking that is just Yeah, chemical disbalance, hormonal disbalance in your body that causes that that you never experienced before. So you're like just shocked, you know. Right. Do you know
0: if it like is there a predisposition that they can they can see it happening? Because I know it doesn't happen to all women, but it happens to a lot of women at the same time.
1: Um I don't really know. Um Mm -hmm. not a doctor (laughs) to answer that question, but uh, yeah, family history, I think, plays, plays a role as well and your previous and your, yeah, your psychological Interesting. State.
0: It's an interesting subject that I, I guess I, people don't think of it enough because maybe you're right, there's, like, that stigma that, like, well, you just had a baby, like, that's the happiest time of your life, right? <laughs> and maybe it is eventually, but obviously there's a lot of changes that you have to go through, so it makes sense that you may experience some difficulties in the beginning. Well, that's it, it's great to hear, though, that you've. I guess you haven't made it a taboo for yourself, and you you're okay with talking about it and advocating for it. Wow. What about I'm sharing
1: right now with the whole with the whole wide world, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, that's yeah. right.
0: Well, and especially you know, it's the subject. Like, I think I can't remember. I think it was my sister in law. Actually, we were talking about how like nobody really tells you about the childbirth process. Like, you don't know about it as a woman. Like, you, you kind of just know that it'll happen probably at some point for you, but you don't really learn about it. And so my sister-in-law, when she gave birth to my nephew, her son, she was saying the only woman who actually walked her through the process of, like, hey, if you give birth naturally, this is what it's going to look like. Or if you have a C-section, this is what it's going to look like, was just one of her friends. Her mother didn't let her know. Her mother in law, my mother, wasn't really giving her too many details. It's just something that you don't really, like, it's not really talked about in detail, which is interesting because it's like something that is the most natural thing, and so many women go through it, and yet it's not really being talked about. And, you know, postpartum depression, I mean, again, I'm not a mother, but I know very many mothers, and I've heard about it so many times, and so many people have told me you know all sorts of stories of it but nobody really wants to talk about like the intricate details of it and like sometimes even admit that they have it right like mothers have that guilt i know you mentioned that in the beginning mm-hmm. they almost have the guilt about admitting to themselves and to others that they had it right so yeah i think it's the more we talk about the subjects that we don't really talk about or we're not allowed to talk about yeah. the better it'll be for everybody so well I think I've always said motherhood is definitely the hardest job that anyone can ever have in the history of anything ever. And to have on top of that, to pursue on top of that, uh, running a business is, is something that is just, is absolutely amazing. So let's So number one is motherhood. That's like the toughest, hardest job. Let's move on to the next hard job that you have and that you've created for yourself, which is your business. What I want to know and what I know a lot of my audience would love to know is, you know, the question that I think is almost scary for every entrepreneur and every person who has ever wanted to start a business, men or women. At what point did you decide, that's it, it's happening, I'm opening this? this is what I need to do and I'm just going for it as opposed to just having it on paper as a business plan
1: so our our story was opening century is um, actually <laughs> pretty interesting because it was happening during um, the COVID outbreak so um, we, we started as an online business and um, after exploring different options we decided to you know, explore having an actual store because um, perfume is such a a personal experience and you have to have a physical location to be able to sample and just immerse yourself in the world of perfumes. So we were exploring options in Vancouver and we found this little cute coffee shop um, downtown that um, was for lease and we thought, oh, it's going to be a perfect place for us. It's um, small, but it's right downtown and we'd love to make it into a store. And we signed the lease. And that was the um, I believe February of um, yeah, 2000, 2020 when <laughs> the COVID outbreak was starting. But it did the Come to right Canada before all yet. hell broke loose right right yeah, before so we, <laughs> yeah we signed the lease in february and then um march co- covid happened right so everything stopped and we have this lease that for 5 years <laughs> that we need to move wow. on um so we were terrified of course we were talking to our real estate agent and it's like well we were able to postpone because everything is closed in 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 vancouver all the businesses are closed so don't let let's see what happens kind of so our landlords were really understanding and everybody was so but in the meantime what was happening with our business because we did have online uh, portion of it already running um, people were stuck at home, so they were exploring online shopping, they were exploring um, different um, options for them, and they were sampling upon our store. And because we had a sampling program, people could um, offer, uh, order samples of perfumes to their home, kind of test them. If they liked them, they would order a full bottle, um and our business was growing so in the COVID times um we actually experienced online growth so we're like okay this is something that um brings people you know happiness it's something that um people interested in so let's just go for it um so that time came and things were getting better the summer in in Canada people kind of were learning to live with COVID and um we were in this lease so we're like okay we need to put the the plug (laughs) like we need to do this yeah so we started renovations in in the store and uh, I was still working um so I have a business partner actually so we kind of kind of didn't talk about that part but um um, along the way, I, I kind of, I found a business partner for myself. Um, and as a woman, Maria, she's also from my hometown. So, um, it was two of us kind of working because it, it's, um, um, it's too much to do on your own being a mother. Right. And So I needed somebody else to kind of take the load off my shoulders. So, um, Maria was a perfect partner and, um, started start renovating and working my full-time job. But knowing that um, we were setting to open in September and I had that date in mind that I, I will be quitting my job because somebody has to work at the store. Right. Um, we didn't want to, um, hire people right away. We didn't have money. We, yeah, it's all financed by us. We don't have like big budgets or anything. Um, it's basically spent our savings, both of our savings to, Open the store to do the renovations to buy the inventory, everything so um it was just waiting for that moment to give my notice and <laughs> my job uh and it was really, really scary, of course, um because I had a stable income job for like over ten years um I was happy it uh, wasn't something like I hated doing or something that I completely wanted to leave. um It was something I've been passionate for a long time and um, what was your field of work
0: before in the
1: corporate? Um, so I worked, I worked in uh, fundraising uh, for about 10 years. So for um, Canadian charities, some of the, uh, for the last uh, like five years, I worked for cancer charities, raising money, okay. uh, and I was really passionate about that. Um, but it's still a corporate world and we still work for somebody. Um, so I think it was, we had this talk with, with my husband, um, just like the months before, I guess, um, that I will be quitting my job and we will be losing uh, an income. And I just wanted him to understand that, that, uh, you know, everything will be on his shoulder for a little bit, because I I have no idea because it was all fun and little project that I've been doing on the side, but now it's becoming real. So that was really difficult uh, transition. And I think for him to understand, I think before he didn't realize that that's going to happen. Um, and we had that talk and I was like, well, you understand that I, I might not be making money for some time. Now we have to figure this new business out and how it goes. And maybe it's not going to also <laughs> go well. Is your husband uh, also no, Russian? Actually, no, he, he's Turkish, so we have an international, <laughs> international marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but we met here in Canada while studying, so we were kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Um, students, international students.
0: Yeah. Um, Fair enough. But so he supported you. He was probably because, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really difficult. And I had a similar story in the sense of I used to work in the corporate and then I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own business and all that kind of stuff. But I did something that I definitely don't recommend people do is I just quit. I was like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit and then I'm going to figure it out. Um, If you have a really high risk tolerance, sure. But I have a really high risk tolerance. And even for me, that was it was. I wouldn't recommend people do that. I would recommend you at least start something on the side first and then go for it because the A, it's very difficult. And I want to hone in a little bit on that. It's very difficult to let go of that stable income. And I know that, you know, in a way that stable income is also, you know, we've seen through COVID, it it can be wiped out of your life very quickly as well. But just that idea of like, okay, I'm no longer going to be receiving the exact amount that I receive on a biweekly basis or on a monthly basis. It's very difficult to let go of it. And you are used to it. So you expect it, you're comfortable, there's a level of comfort that you maintain. Uh, So it's very difficult to let go of it, especially when you have a family, right? Like I, it was me and my husband and my husband was Kind of doing something similar, I guess, right? But still, you have each other, and you don't have like a life that you have to support. But when you have a child, it's a whole other ball-, ball game. So, how was that transition for you from a stable income then to go to a business? And how did you manage that stress? And how did you? What was your mindset like? Did your mindset have to play into that whole, you know, move towards success in the business? Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm not um, a pessimist uh, by nature. So I always try to think positively and I, I don't stress out unless I have to stress out, like unless like there is a real problem on the table. So I always try to think positively. I think that's what got me through. Um, of course it's scary, but once you pull the plug, you're like, okay, I'm I'm in this hundred percent. I have to make it work. So there is no like doubting yourself. There is, um, no time to think about the future you just you're just in it and you're just trying to make the best of it i would say the the attitude that not don't don't stress out you know just uh, just move ahead just think about one problem at a time or one thing at a time and it will get resolved
0: yeah do you think that I I guess, would you be comfortable giving advice to somebody? At what point do you quit your job? And is it beneficial in your mind to have like a safety nest in the sense of have like a backup plan when you're starting a business? Or are you the kind of person who's like, no, I'm just going to like burn all my bridges and make sure that I don't have the option to go back because if I have the option to go back, then I might go back. What's your take on that?
1: I'm not the person who would burn the bridges. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I would say like, yeah, having a safety net, having a supportive partner, um, having some savings, um, having a back yeah, back out plan. Um, we did uh, with my partner, um, Maria. We, we kind of talked about it. We were like, okay, at, at which point we would, um, you know, pull the plug and not do this anymore. Like what has to happen? Like we have to reach a certain revenue. Like what if we don't like, what is our backup plan? Okay. We can maybe sublease, we can hire somebody to work there and kind of um, go back to doing what we were doing, find a job. Um, so we did talk about the options. So I, I think it's good to have options and to, it's good to think about your um, plan in case um, it's not going to work out. But having the positive attitude <laughs> is, yeah. uh, is also essential because, um, yeah, without it, um, yeah, like, have a plan, but don't really focus on, on, on the plan. Like, try to make it work.
0: Right. Have maybe, like, an end goal that you're focusing on, but be a little bit more flexible on how you get there. Yeah, I like that. And let's talk a little bit more about specifically Centrique. So what is the business exactly? I know we t- touched on it a little bit, you know, re- it's, it's more so related to perfumes, but I guess specifically, what do you offer?
1: So we offer, as I said, alternative to big department stores um, and the fragrances you would find there. So we work with small niche brands, um, uh, from all over the world, we have Canadian brands, we have brands from Middle East. Um, majority um, still are from France and Italy. Those are big hubs for perfumery nowadays. So, what is niche perfumery? Niche perfumery is um, just something like an art and, and a perfume, um, kind of combination of art and science. So, um, when you want um, to stand out when you're tired of your Dior's and Chanel, we are kind of your um, your stop, your first stop. We actually get referrals from big department stores uh, um, for people who are looking something different. So that's what we can offer. Once you kind of um, try niche perfumes and emerge yourself into the world, it, it becomes an addicting hobby for many people. <laughs> because uh, you just start like you you're smelling the things you've never smelled before you actually um able now to pick out notes you're like oh okay this is how um, like the food smells or this is how jasmine smells this is um like tea this is something different so you kind of um become more and more immersed in, in this world of scents and um a lot of our customers are actually repeat customers and a lot of our customers have huge perfume collections. Uh, for some it's a hobby, for some it's just a um a, a way to stay happy. Um actually something I did not expect with this business, business is um hearing so many um positive, um, feedback from customers in, in a way that, that they're happy that we provide them this outlet and that we provide them the selection that they can't find anywhere else and makes them happy. <laughs> like a lot of people are like, Oh, you just made my day or like, I'm so happy I found you. Um, so that, that's something like I, I didn't expect <laughs> when starting a business that we actually provide happiness to people and that's that's really rewarding.
0: Yeah, that's like a level of reward that probably motivates you even more, right?
1: Exactly.
0: I think that scents in general have so much power and I've always thought like and maybe you've experienced this too, but back home, people don't really have that many allergies. Like I just didn't like I've never heard of a peanut allergy before or a nut allergy when I was living, you know, back home. Of, there wasn't really there was like maybe allergy to i don 't know what it 's called in english like you know the the mm-hmm. tre- certain like trees yeah. or or the pollen yeah the Poland there we go yeah mm-hmm. but i 've never heard of like not allergies especially i 've never heard of a perfume allergy and then when I moved to Canada, I remember my first day of work I showed up to like my my one of my first jobs in Canada and I put on perfume and they asked me to go to the bathroom and like try to wipe it off. And I was like, how am I going to wipe off <laughs> perfume? Because somebody in the office that I worked at was allergic to perfumes. And I thought to myself, this would be for me after wine and chocolate, actually probably just as equally bad. Like if I was, if, if I was allergic to wine, chocolate or perfume, I don't know how I would survive. So it's, you know they have i think scents have power and i think people who don't use perfume i've always wondered like the amount of i don't know just the the i don't even want to say the level of confidence but i wonder how because for me when i put on perfume i feel more confident i feel a little bit more like something something just was added to me that wasn't there before you know so your boutique does i guess a level higher up something that is different something that is more unique uh, and is it women only, or is it men and women?
1: No, we actually half of or more than half of our customers are men, which is also what's surprising coming from Russia. I think in Russia, the perfumes are more like a feminine thing, and right. more women are interested in that um, it's cool it's not the opposite, but it 's quite different here in Canada also like something that we learned during the business that um, the half or more than half of our customers are men and for them for a lot of men like uh, aside from wanting to smell different and smell good um, it's a hobby like like the wine tasting or cognac tasting whiskey tasting so it's something that um, they're passionate about and something that they like learning about so they're really knowledgeable to take their time researching perfumes. Uh, there are many reviewers online nowadays. So social media is, uh, also has become um, a big outlet for perfume bloggers, perfume reviewers. So a lot of people um, kind of educate themselves first and then come to the store. So it's um, it, it's a different uh, market here in North America. And we're still... Uh, years, years behind Europe, but it's, uh, it's a different market too. So it's not, we're not like following blindly um, kind of the, the map, um, of the mapping of the business in, in Russia. We kind of uh, learn in our way through Canadian uh, and North American way of um, using perfumes, which is quite different.
0: Why do you think that there's this undeniable truth that exists in North America, and that is that the beauty industry in general, of all sorts, is quite a bit behind to Europe, and especially, you know, Eastern
1: Europe and Russia? Um, I mean, there are obvious things, right, that um, that uh, Eastern European women maybe... Uh, take care of more of themselves right and more uh, interested in the beauty industry and i think that's that's correct to some extent um <clears throat> we grow up uh, differently right uh, yeah. kind of uh, taking care of ourselves and um being just in in this culture where appearances matter um yeah. here in in, in canada it's, uh, in north america um, not so much. Maybe there is no not that much demand. Um, so there are no business, no businesses that that bring the latest um, technology. There is still many things that we are lacking here in Canada that exist in Russia and Europe for many many years, and we still can can get them here. And yeah there is a lot of like memes and jokes about going home right and and going to your uh, salons and to your beauty i'm definitely a walking meme
0: yeah i'm like a walking to every single one of those memes yeah
1: (laughs) scheduling all the appointments right uh way in advance so you can get it all done and come back come back home so um i don't know i think yeah it's um the the market is different. So there is not that much demand for, for the beauty industry here, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I, part of me hopes that it changes. Another part of me just knows that with Eastern European and Slavic women being here, that's how it sort of changes because, or Middle Eastern women, because they also have like high, I guess, I don't want to say, well, yeah, I guess higher quality in a lot of the, the beauty industry things. But I mean, a lot of like even in Vancouver, um, I googled Russian manicure and th- the only salons that I found were owned either by Russians, Ukrainians. Um, so it's, you know, that's just how it works, right? But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm definitely, I go home, back home and my, like the first couple of weeks is just appointments, 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 hair, you know, n- nails, face, everything, whatever I can do, I just do there. So well, Irina, um, I do want to ask you one more question that is sort of like a, a hot topic that I think I'm going to keep diving into in my podcast and my content because people really want to hear about it. But how do you maintain your femininity and your sort of feminine nature while running a business and while doing things that are inherently, I guess, requiring more of a masculine energy how do you balance those two energies at home and at work
1: um i think that men and women have different qualities and and we should lean into our like strengths um and i i tend to lean into my feminine strengths as a woman as a business owner so we might do things differently than men. It doesn't matter if we do them worse or men do them better than us. We just we just do differently. And I I agree with you um in your point of view that we don't have to compete with each other, um mm-hmm. like who is uh, you know the strongest, who is the more masculine, and, and I'm a woman and I'm a feminist and I am a feminist. Um, but I also think that, um, uh, we, yeah, we just, um, we build differently. We do, build for different purposes. Um, and we still, um, as, as women, we can still do business, uh, um, but do it with a, with a feminine, uh, touch. <laughs> right. Like use your feminine traits. Um, uh, we are as women to be more flexible, like avoiding conflict um, and resolve the situation and in in more peaceful way. And um, we had a, a few situations in our business where um, you know we we face the masculine energy, like the the aggressive <laughs> business masculine energy, and you just uh, as a woman um, you try to. Uh, find different ways um soft ways to to resolve the conflict and it worked in the past so um yeah i'm not trying to be a man while doing business um i'm still trying to keep my feminine approach to the business that is that might be different from men's approach but um that's what's you know makes us unique and um that's, that's why we co- coexist, men and women, because we bring different um, traits to, to the story.
0: So leaning into your feminine and not trying, just trying to bring your strengths to the table as opposed to, you know, did, that, did you see those balloons? Yes. What, what just that? happened? Oh my God. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. This is so interesting. That has never happened before. <laughs> but anyways, what I'm gathering from you is uh, leaning into your feminine, and instead of trying to compete or be, you know, be like men or be like somebody else in general, just understanding your strengths and bringing that to the table in your endeavors and in your business.
1: Yeah, like exactly. Across. I'm I'm not trying to be a man while doing business. I'm trying to stay true to myself and. And I mean, my industry allows it. We're still in the beauty cosmetics, so right. um, it's it's easier, but there are some business um, issues as well um, that sometimes need to be resolved. but again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be the man.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Well, Irina, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I will link the page and the website of your store. And it was a pleasure chatting
1: with you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I'll see you next week.